If you would turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4. And while you're turning there, uh, I mentioned earlier uh, that today, if you didn't know, was life group change. Certainly, uh, for many of you, you were just in life groups this morning. Uh, and so I want to do something. If you are a life group leader, preschooler, life group leader, children, students, uh, adults, whatever the age group that you are a life group leader, would you, and I'll ask you to forgive me later if this isn't your thing, oh well, uh, stand up for me if you're a life group leader, any age group whatsoever, stand up, and here's what I want to do, by the way, let's all say thank you to these life group leaders, thank you for serving in this way. And, but stay standing for just a minute. In, in the same way that we would uh, commission out uh, those that are going to the mission field, uh, you are, we, we value you, we need you, and we wanna, we wanna also pray over you that as we start this new uh, life group year, that God would use you well for his glory. So in the same way that we often kind of stretch our hands out as though we're all laying hands on them, would you, would you do that now maybe directed towards one of these that are standing, and we will uh, we'll pray together now for them. God, we ask you to do mighty work through the avenue of life groups. God, I pray that you would use these men and women as they teach, as they love and support, as they provide prayer requests and, and support for other church members, our brothers and sisters. God, I pray that you would use them mightily for your name and for your glory. I pray that the year ahead would be uh, enriching to us as a church because of them, that we would grow closer together and grow closer to you. God, we thank you so much for their willingness to serve, not only on Sundays, but their willingness to prepare during the week to provide exactly what is needed for all of us. So God, use them all well for your name and your glory. And we pray this in your son's name, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. You may be seated. And once again, thank you so much. First Peter, as we have turned there now, I hope, is written by none other than Simon Peter, the apostle and like this leader of the disciples, right? Peter was in the inner circle of the inner circle. So I always think of him with his other two buddies, Peter, James, and John. It just it rolls off the tongue. You just say all three of them together. When he writes this, he is in Rome. And, but it is composed by a man named Silvanus, which you learn at the very end of, in 1 Peter 5. Uh, it is written to encourage persecuted Christians during their suffering. This letter continues to encourage me today as I often walk through challenges, struggles, uh, and even at times persecution. It reminds us even in a time like this, it reminds us that we are to respond to unrighteous leaders with humility, that we are to respond to unholy husbands with kindness. We're to submit to unkind bosses with the love of Christ and that we are to do all of this in the hopes of showing them Christ. It's the intent that you would, we would walk through suffering with the intent of other people knowing who Christ is. So as we are in 1 Peter 4 today, I want us to hear and maybe be reminded of some of these truths. So look at 1 Peter 4, beginning in verse 12 with me. 
beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are uh, blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. As I look to this text, a few things come to mind. The first one is this, be ready for suffering. I'm, I'm sure that uh, you have been through some sort of suffering or are currently going through suffering. If not, it's coming. And that might sound like this uh, unhappy, sorrowful thing to say from a preacher to the congregation. Why would you speak such ill will towards us that suffering is coming? But I guess some of that is just a reality and, and Peter seems to echo this. But I think in some ways, that's why Peter starts with beloved. Not starts with, obviously the letter has already begun, but this portion, as he's digging into all the deeper, the, the woes of suffering, he calls them his beloved. I want you today to hear that from your pastor, that as I'm about to talk about suffering that is coming for us that is, if it hasn't or you're not in it right now, that I love you. That I am thankful to call you brothers and sisters in Christ. And that it is a, a joy for me. And as such, I wanna, want you to hear, you are beloved. Look around you and see other brothers and sisters that love you dearly. Care for you. When you hear that word beloved, it should convey trust and friendship, relationship. But he says right after this, don't be surprised, right? Don't be surprised when you experience the fiery trial, when, when you have testing, when as, as though something strange is happening, means like, don't be shocked. Don't be astonished by what we all know is coming. In some ways, think of R.C. Sproul who wrote the question, what isn't why there's so much suffering in the world, but instead, why is there so little? Sin causes suffering and the world is filled with sinners. So it is only by God's grace that we're not experiencing more suffering than we already are. I say this word to you that I love you and I believe Peter says that to them, understanding that the suffering the fiery trial is painful. Right? Just thinking about those words, suffering fiery trial should bring to us a reality that, that pain is upon us. 
Paul Brand, a missionary to India, once wrote this. He says, I've come to see that pain and pleasure come to us not as opposites, but as Siamese twins, strangely joined and intertwined. Nearly all of my memories of acute happiness, in fact, involve some element of pain or struggle. Think about that in, in correlation to parenthood. A child is most often finds their greatest comfort from their parent when they are being consoled, right? Something, something has happened to make them have a nightmare. And so what do they do? They, they run in, bust in the room and startle the parents and wake them up. And mom or dad, uh, I feel like it's most often mom who wakes at that moment and, and comforts them, tells them it's okay, go on back to sleep, everything's fine, we're here. When, when a child falls and scrapes their knee and gets a boo-boo, right? Who do they run to? Mom and dad. And, say, like, and mom and dad comfort them and put a Band-Aid on something that's not bleeding. Kiss it and make it better. Do all of those things. Why? Because they're, they're comforting them. In the pain, they're comforting them. They, they find their greatest comfort in suffering, during suffering. And in many ways, we don't think that way, though. When we're going through suffering and heartache and hardship and difficulty, we forget that we have a father who will put a Band-Aid on something that's not bleeding, will comfort us and provide for us. And so this is not me saying that we don't, I don't know that suffering is painful. I'm quite aware of pain. When I think about my extended family, I think about pain of divorce, loss of job, the not knowing if you're gonna be able to pay your next bill, losing a family member, medical trauma, unexpected physical difficulties, hurricanes, damage to your property and your home, COVID-19, and on and on and on. And my, my list is gonna look different than your list. The suffering that you walk through, certainly, Peter, Peter's writing to a church that is actively being physically persecuted for their faith. So he's speaking very directly toward that. But fiery trial isn't just things that happen to us, but they are often purposely happening to us because we are believers, right? That's what this persecution is. There are times in which Right? Even, even if we were being completely honest, most of us have not experienced persecution to the degree that those readers at this time would have been, that time, I guess, would have been experiencing physical abuse, even death, uh, ripped from their homes. We experience persecution in a different way. We're not invited, not included. We're overlooked, we're pushed aside, ignored, rejected, mocked, hated, uh, ridiculed, belittled. All of these things happen because we speak up for the name of Christ. Suffering the fiery trial is painful, but I want you to hear that suffering the fiery trial is profitable. Right? It makes me think of Romans 5. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance 
Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Again, an R.C. Sproul quote, though we suffer for a moment, the goal of God in our suffering is our redemption, not our destruction. Your, your sufferings, whatever they may be, they are intended to draw you to the only ray of hope and the only person, Christ. So because it's profitable in this way, because it, it is helpful for us, then be joyful in suffering, right? If we're not just going to be ready for suffering, be ready that it's going to come, but we want to be joyful in suffering. Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. Rejoice, be glad. It's like, wait a second, I don't know if you, Peter, understood what was happening here, but you're telling them they were just supposed to be joyful in it. It's really easy for us to think about being joyful after it, right? If you'll get me through it, God, then I'll be happy. You push me through the pain, then I'll be okay. Then I will celebrate. I'll even give you credit for getting me out of the illness. I'll give you credit for getting me a new job. I'll, I'll give you credit for restoring my marriage. I'll give you credit for whatever the good thing is, but I want you to get me on the other side of it. And until you do, there's not gonna be any joy here. But he says, be joyful, rejoice in suffering. Piper says it this way, he says, glorifying God means showing by your actions and attitudes that God is glorious to you. He's valuable, precious, desirable, satisfying. The greatest way to show that someone satisfies your heart is to keep on rejoicing in them when all other supports for your satisfaction are falling away. When you keep rejoicing in God in the midst of suffering, it shows that God and not other things is the great source of your joy. You want to be joyful in Christ? Then find your satisfaction in Christ. If you place your, your joy, if you try to find joy in your spouse, then when your spouse dies, your joy dies with them. We don't want that. Try to find your satisfaction in children or your job. What happens when you retire? That's even like a planned losing of your job. What about the times when you lose your job? If that's the place you've placed all of your satisfaction and all of your joy, then when that's gone, it's gone. And you place it in a, in a, a person that's next to you or in your family or your, again, your circumstances around you. You place it in a, in a sport and an activity. You find all your satisfaction in the fact that you make good grades, students, whatever it is that you, you find your satisfaction in. Well, here's the good news. Jesus Christ still lives and reigns today. So put your satisfaction, find your satisfaction in the one place that will never die. Trust in him, rest in him. Then, you're, then when suffering happens, you can find joy in the suffering because you're suffering with the one who has never died. Or, well, he has died, he came back to life. He defeated death. You know, suffering is hereditary. 
we're gonna, it's going to come because sin comes. Sin is past, right? We believe we are sinners by nature, sinners by choice. My parents are here today, thankful for them. I have my dad's height. Thanks. Yeah, my mom's talkativeness. I'm sure you're all thankful for that. <laughs> Appreciate that. He, he's mine. Uh, something I didn't really want from a dad was, turns out, I found out kidney stones are hereditary. Super thankful for that, dad. He's had his fair share of those. But when I, when I think not about that type of suffering, when I think about the stuff that's passed down from my parents, I'm certainly thankful for their love for the word and their love for the nations and their love for the prayer and, and what they have instilled in me as a parent and uh, in, in so many ways, so very, very thankful. But, but they also passed down suffering. And what? What Christ, what Peter tells us through his word and, and Christ reminds us of is that we are to be joyful in it. We are to rejoice because Jesus asked us to taste affliction with him. Or rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. That you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Share in his sufferings. The reality here, when Peter writes that we share in Christ's suffering, he is talking about fellowshipping with Christ, joining with him, not just simply having similar pain as though we need to also put nails in our hands or put a crown of thorns on our head or be whipped on our back, but actually joining with him in a cloud of witnesses that, are, that have suffered for doing what is right. Suffered for righteousness' sake. Jesus, in fact, promises this opportunity in John 15 when he says that, remember the word I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Master, if they persecute you, me, they will persecute you. Don't be shocked by this. Makes no sense to rejoice in suffering unless you know where your joy lies. He writes again, in, or he spoke again in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed means happy are those. There's the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice, be glad for your reward is great in heaven for the persecuted, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Find joy in it. Why? Because we're, we're fellowshipping with Jesus in our suffering for his sake. Rejoice not only because Jesus asked us to taste affliction with him, but rejoice because Jesus asked us to bear witness of him. Right? When it says here at the end of verse 13, be glad when his glory is revealed. 
you, as a follower of Christ, have already had that revealed to you. That's why you responded to it. That's why you trusted in Christ. But here, he's saying that when you are suffering with joy for Christ, for the glory of his name, you are revealing the very same joy to others so that they might receive it and respond to it. You may rejoice and be glad when glory is revealed. This is the plan. If you were not aware of this, you and I are the plan, the mechanism for getting the name of Christ to the world. Listen to what John Calvin wrote about this. He says that all the exhortations which can be given us to suffer patiently for the name of Jesus Christ and in defense of the gospel will have no effect if we do not feel assured of the cause for which we fight. We must suffer as Christians. Let us glorify God for the blessing which he bestowed on us. It is not without cause he speaks this way. For who are we? to be witnesses of the truth of God and advocates to maintain his cause. Here we are, poor worms of the earth, creatures full of vanity and full of lies, and yet God employs us to defend his truth. This seems like an honor that would be only given to angels, but he gives it to us, his people's humanity, that it's our job to suffer so that people would know who Christ is. Yes, rejoice in your suffering. Be joyful in suffering because in your suffering, you are bearing witness to who Christ is. You're all satisfying, joy-filling king of all creation. This is who you follow. Be joyful in suffering and be steadfast in suffering. I was thinking recently, in fact, just this week, about how uh, as we kind of are going back through so many COVID-related conversations, the challenges that go with that, and, and how we can be distracted by this, how the enemy wants that for us, wants confusion and chaos, and and I was reminded that so often the, the enemy's plans, we, let me pause, we know who wins the war, right? And it's not our enemy. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We know who wins the war. But I want you, you to know, he doesn't just win the war at the end. He's a battle-winning warrior God who wins. And, and so when, when I think of that, I, I think we can look at the current climate we're in and we can find ourselves distracted and disappointed and frustrated and feel like, man, the enemy, the enemy's winning. But think back to Acts 7 when Stephen was stoned to death, had boulders thrown at him until he died. The enemy would have thought he won. <laughs> I just took out one of the good guys. And, and some could have looked at that and thought, man, the enemy just won. 
But if you read on, you find very quickly that that one death ended up spreading the gospel to all nations. Like that was the missionary, that's what inspired the missionary movement that ultimately led to Paul coming to Christ, which ultimately led to his missionary journeys, which ultimately, I mean, ultimately led to you knowing Christ. So, so we're talking about extreme missionary movement, all really from this one, like they had not left Jerusalem yet. He dies and they're out. And so for, for you and I, when we go through trials like this, when we're going through whatever suffering it is that you're going through, or even through this season, this climate that we're in, you hear those kind of things, I need you to hear that he does not win even this. The enemy does not win. Yes, like there is suffering and there is heartache and there is difficulty. But, but there is something better, someone better. Peter tells them that there is something to rejoice in and, and be glad over. But then he, it seems like he makes this quick side note in verse 15. When he says, don't call, well, he says, let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. So don't cause your own suffering by doing wrong works. We, there's all kinds of stuff that happens to us just because sin exists. Death and illness, sickness, tragedies uh, happen all the time. But don't cause your own suffering because you do not smart things. There are other not as kind ways to say that, but right? Like, because of the things you do that are not best, not wise, not smart. And these are some of them, he even goes so far as to describe them. Don't suffer because you're a murderer. Don't suffer because you're a thief, because you're an evildoer, or even a meddler. By the way, that is not like a stair step down. This is saying that all of that is equally sinful. So like meddling in other people's business is just as bad as murder. It's like gossip, slander, all of that kind of falls into this meddler The gospel is offensive enough to people. Don't offend them because, you're, because of all the other things you're gonna do. Don't cause your own suffering by doing wrong works. Don't cause your own shame by silent action. If any one of you suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Don't, don't bring suffering on yourself because you're quiet. You're not speaking the truth of Christ. Don't bring that on yourself. Don't, sh don't be ashamed of what Christ is done and doing for you. And don't cause your own permanent suffering by not surrendering. Don't cause your own permanent suffering by not surrendering. Some of you in the room today Are, are potentially maybe even going through something very difficult. You're suffering. And the, the saddest part about that is there's not hope on the other side for you. You know, so for, for those of us who are in Christ, no matter what trial we're in, no matter what difficulty we're going through, no matter if it's divorce or sickness 
or cancer or persecution or loss of job or loss of family member, no matter what that is, that, that suffering we know is momentary because there is the hope of glory on the other side. There's something that we have to look forward to so, so we, can, we can go through this difficulty, this hard time rejoicing because there's something better to come. And that something better to come is all eternity with Christ. It's forever and ever and ever. So we know that this light momentary affliction is just that. It is light and momentary. But for those of you who are without Christ, this light momentary affliction is just a drop in the bucket to the pain and sorrow that you will experience for all eternity without Christ. This is not me trying to intimidate you or cause fear in you. This is telling you that there is a better way. And that better way is Jesus Christ who came, lived a perfect life providing a way for you and I to have relationship, eternal, everlasting relationship with God the Father. There's a way. Simply turning your life over to Christ. Saying that I believe that you died in my place because I, I was a sinner and deserved death, but you because I've offended God, but you have made a way for me. You, you died in my place, believing that you needed to turn away from yourself. That's called repentance and trust in Jesus, believing in him, that he is the only way, the only truth, the only life, that no one comes to the Father but through him. This truth you cling to. Then there's hope. You know why when we, we say those things about people that we love and cherish who are, have come to death, but they're followers of Christ, and we say, oh, they, they, they weren't able to see any longer, but they see now. They weren't able to hear any longer, but they, they hear now. They, they're no long, they were no longer able to, to get up and walk and move around. They, they lost their ability to remember things and, and have a fully functioning uh, mindset and conversation. But now they are. They're not just seeing. They're seeing Christ. They're not just uh, hearing. They're hearing the praises of angels. They're not just walking. They're jumping for joy in front of the throne of God. They're kneeling uh, up, up before Christ himself. And so, yes, so church, hear this. There is a, a joy, there is a hope that is offered to you. And if, if you are not a follower of Christ, it is offered now. You right now can turn away from your sin and trust in Jesus. For those of us who have this hope, just hearing about it makes me remember that going through suffering, we can make it. Because it is, it is not permanent. It is not the end. So be steadfast during suffering and be peaceful through suffering. Right? Think about how you act and what you say. This is a place, like even especially in life groups, when you're sharing prayer requests and asking for people that you know and love and trust, friends in this place, brothers and sisters, be honest with each other. Don't be a complainer. There's a difference. It's a safe place to be honest and say, I'm, I'm hurting, this is hard, this is difficult. That's not the same as complaining and whining. So I would tell you to, to share honestly with those around you. But what that should lead you to do is trust the Lord 
that he is good. Trust the Lord. We, we believe that the Lord is good, that he is all-wise, all-knowing, all-powerful, that he does not make mistakes, that he's never shocked or surprised by what's happened with us. He's never taken back. Again, the question is not why is there so much suffering, but why is there so little? One reason there is suffering in the world is, is not that God is not good, but because he is. A good God will not allow evil to go unpunished. But Jesus said they were asking the wrong question. Trust him. Do you trust him? You trust that he's good? And serve the Lord and do good. As it says here in verse 19, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Last week, I gave you opportunities to check a box and say that you would be willing to serve in different areas in the church and sign up and say, I want to participate in that. And so I want to hope you took advantage of that. But if you weren't here last week, you're looking for ways to plug in, you can email me. Or you can email somebody else at the church. I'm chad at colonialheights.org. You can email me. You can email one of our staff members. You can Find me, I'll be up here at the front afterward and say, I, I want to serve in the church. Help me find the right place and I'll, I'll point you in the right direction. But serve the Lord. But, but here's the thing. This isn't just about serving in, in a particular position. This is about having kind hearts toward one another, doing good toward family and, and to the lost. Are you taking advantage of the opportunities that are all around you to make Christ known. I hope, I do, I hope that for some of you today that you would choose to follow Jesus. You would trust in him for he is your living hope. He's alive and well, thriving. He's the only one that you can place your hope in. So would you trust in him? If you, if you have questions about that, maybe it is today that you're even one who says, I just need prayer. I need someone to pray over me. I am suffering. I am going through heartache and I'm not trying to complain. I just need a brother or sister to pray over me. Right here to my left, there's gonna be some who would love to pray with you, pray for you. Maybe you've got more questions about salvation and you say, I just, I just wanna know a little bit more. Again, come to my left and they would, they would love to talk to you more about that. Those of you who are in Christ, who are ready for suffering, ready with joy to, to celebrate who Christ is, I invite you to, to sing with me that he is our living hope. He is, he is what we look forward to, what we cling to. Not one who is dead, past, but one who we cling to because he is alive, reigning on high. So would you stand with me now as we sing to our living hope?